Welcome to the Sport Manitoba podcast, hosted by Nolan Cole. Welcome to episode 22 of the Sport Manitoba podcast. My name is Nolan Cole. I'm the digital media specialist at Sport Manitoba. At Sport Manitoba, our goal is simple. We aim to ensure every Manitoban has access to the resources they need to achieve their full athletic potential. And we do this every day by developing the skill sets of Manitoba's athletes, coaches, volunteers, and officials. We're also the main funding agency for amateur sport in the province, with over 65 provincial sport organizations in our building, including Golf Manitoba and Volleyball Manitoba, which are connected to our two guests on this episode. You may have heard that National Coaches Week is on in Canada right now from September 19th to 27th. And today we're talking to two coaches who are making a difference in our sport community right here in Manitoba. I'll introduce you to them right after a quick word from our sponsors and campaigns. At Sport Manitoba, we recognize the crucial role that officials have within sport. Keep an eye out for our No Ref, No Game campaign this fall, as we'll be sharing real stories from Manitoba officials and what it's like to be behind the call. Remember to always respect your officials, because without them, there is no game. Sport Manitoba and Doctors Manitoba joined forces in 2013 to launch Fit Kids Healthy Kids. Both partners saw the need to promote physical literacy as a means to combat health risks associated with a sedentary lifestyle such as type 2 diabetes and obesity. Doctors Manitoba has been generously supporting Fit Kids Healthy Kids financially since its inception. Learn more at fitkidshealthykids.ca. The Sport Manitoba Clinic now offers virtual appointments. Our virtual services are designed to provide the exact same service at a distance using video technology. To learn more and book an appointment, visit sportmanitoba.ca clinic. If you're part of the competitive golf community in Manitoba, you've probably heard the name Garth Goodbranson. He's the current director of player development and the lead coach of the junior development teams with Golf Manitoba. He's also worked with the U of M Bisons golf teams, and he's coached at multiple Manitoba and Canada Games events. The PGA of Canada member was also the recipient of the Janet Arnott Memorial Award and the Male Coach of the Year Award earlier this year as part of our Sport Manitoba Coaching Awards. Meanwhile, Jamie Menzies has developed quite the coaching portfolio on the court, and she's currently the head volleyball coach of Canadian Mennonite University here in Winnipeg. The former Westman player has also coached at previous North American Indigenous Games and with Team Manitoba at the Canada Summer Games. She was Sport Manitoba's Aboriginal Coach of the Year in 2017. As we celebrate and thank our coaches right across the country this week, Garth and Jamie joined our podcast to talk about their coaching careers and what inspires them to make their athletes better. Here's our conversation. So Garth and Jamie, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Jamie, we'll go ladies first here. I know you played volleyball at the U of W for the Westman. We'll talk a little bit about your athletic careers first, then we'll get into coaching. U of W for the Westman volleyball. Did you play other sports growing up? And what uh, was volleyball kind of always that first choice for you? As a matter of fact, it wasn't. I was kind of a multi-sport athlete in high school. Went to a small high school, and so you just kind of have to play it all. I went to Neyland High School in Brandon. Um, basketball was my favorite sport, and I had a great coach, and I honestly think that's why. He just put the time in, and he knew his stuff, and um, so I had a great time playing basketball in high school. Um, the reason I switched to volleyball in university is I felt like I hadn't been quite coached to a high level in that sport and I wanted to see if I could where I could go with that um, I felt like I had already experienced high-level coaching in basketball so I wanted to switch it up so that's why I headed to UW for volleyball and when did you decide that coaching was something that you wanted to pursue 
Um, it more so happened to me rather than a conscious effort. Um, when I was a teenager, just my high school ran um, kind of tots camps, and since I was an athlete, they just asked me to help out. And so it, it ended up just being a summer job for me or, you know, an after-school job for me, and it uh, just kind of snowballed from there. Um, and when I was playing at the University of Winnipeg, I coached the summer camps there. I really started off being an assistant coach, and gradually as I developed self-esteem or more, as I developed more confidence with it, then I took on more head coaching roles and kind of started creating my own programs and things like that. Garth, I know you grew up in a golf family. Uh, yeah. So was it a case of kind of following in their footsteps, just kind of a natural thing for you? Yeah, so our family, we were very big into golf. I started playing tournaments at about seven. Uh, golf and, and hockey were my favorite sports, but I played every sport like everyone did back then and uh, and loved every sport. But uh, yeah, so golf, you know, we our family played, you know, a ton of tournaments and what have you, and I just fell in love with the game and then uh, uh, became a PGA of Canada member at 21 and then just uh, end up making that a career. So you're a golf pro at several different courses around the province. Mm -hmm. What kind of made you shift gears to more the coaching side of things? Yeah, it was interesting. So, you know, I was a, a golf pro at, at golf courses for about 15 years or so. And uh, I always kind of viewed it. I used to do some camps for, for the Manitoba Golf Association at the time. I always worked, enjoyed working with juniors and, and I know they had a lot of junior program at the time. So I approached golf or the Manitoba Golf Association at the time. Uh, I approached them about saying some of the things that I could do for them and, and different programs that uh, I, I was uh, really excited about doing. So sure enough, I got hired and at the time as a or golf professional, you know, is more of a teacher than a coach. So when I started working for, for Golf Manitoba, it was things like the Canada Games and the Manitoba Games and the Western Canada Games, coaching provincial teams. Uh, Derek Ingram and I, we started the University of Manitoba golf team in 2000. So that teaching really became coaching. And so it's kind of a combination of both at times, but, um, but definitely over the years, it was a lot more coaching. So I was very fortunate. Yeah, and I was going to ask you just a little bit about that transition, like, because you're, as a pro, you're teaching a lesson, right? Um, but you're still kind of teaching as a, a coach, but now you're working with, you know, maybe younger, younger golfers now. What was that kind of evolution like? Was there a lot of parallels between the two? Well, it was really interesting because it was quite fascinating. Everyone always thought, like, no one ever used the term coaching in golf. It was always teaching. And so when, you know, when I'm coaching teams, um, Really, I guess what I, I always try to explain to them, I'm there to help them out play their best game in a short period of time. You know, uh, in the off season, that's when maybe teaching's maybe a bit in order, uh, but coaching, it's a fine, fine line. You know, the last thing you want to do is make major changes in the middle of the tournament or just before a tournament. So, you know, it was a lot of it, you know, was preparation is a lot of it. And, and uh, you know, focusing on things you can control as compared to, uh, worried about technique so uh, it's a very fine line and uh, you know over time you just kind of get better and better and you just learn so many more things about the coaching aspect as compared to teaching. Jamie back to you here uh, just your approach with athletes for volleyball do you focus on technique skill development do you, more the mental side of things what's kind of your overall approach would you say? Mm -hmm. um, that's a little bit of a tough question to answer lately because I really coach in a wide spectrum of contexts. Um, I run an all-Indigenous club, 
based in the city, but that includes athletes from across the province. And the way that I would coach those athletes differs greatly from how I would coach my college team, because I'm also coaching at Canadian Mennonite University right now. So um, at the college level, I would say there's maybe a bit more emphasis on technique, strategy, you know, competing to win, that sort of side of things. Um, Whereas the club that I run for, you know, 14 and under, 16 and under, 18 and under Indigenous athletes from around the province, it's maybe more of a holistic model of coaching in the sense that, you know, winning or training to win is a small piece of the pie, but um, really just getting active and um, prioritizing mental health and prioritizing relationship building and prioritizing, you know, identity and getting to know each other. That's a huge part of the program as well. Um, and just kind of running all my decisions through this filter of what's best for the person and not necessarily the athlete sort of thing. So um, I guess that holistic model can be used for any team, but I just prioritize different things depending on the level or the team I'm coaching at the time. And I'm always got my hand in a few different contexts at once. And just in terms of the game itself, I read that you were a power hitter and a setter at U of W. So two different positions. I played volleyball a bit in high school, but does that help you as a coach? The fact that you played those two different positions when you're coaching positionally? I would say so. Um, and it, it is also helpful that when I entered university, I wouldn't say I was a very polished athlete coming out of high school. And so I really did have to... I had to be coached and I had to focus on the technical things I had to put in the reps to become a better athlete. Um, so I really remember a lot of those lessons that I picked up as an athlete and I can, I feel like I can work with a naturally gifted athlete, but I can also modify someone's technique and, and really, you know, work with the skill sets because I had to do the same when I was improving as an athlete. So yeah, being a setter and a left side, um, two very different styles of play. A lot of left sides can just kind of turn their brain off and go, where the setter kind of has to always be thinking and strategizing. So I do really like having both those backgrounds as a coach. For sure. And Garth, I, I'm, I'll admit, not a huge golfer myself, but I know it's, it's a lot of a mental game, right? The mental aspect of it. So I guess, how do you work with your athletes knowing that a lot of it, a lot of their success is in their mind? Well, I've really emphasized relationships with players and, and not only just the players, but uh, families too. And I think, you know, over the years I've been coaching a long time and probably the, the one of my greatest things that I'll always remember is the relationships I've had with players and teams and families. And uh, that's always been super, super important to me. I kind of, you know, I look at it that I, I, I want to be, an, always want to try to be as an unconditional coach as possible. Uh, I've always asked players on whether it's individuals or teams is to do what you can to prepare do a great job of preparing and things that you can control focus on that and if you do that the result you know I try not to show any emotion in the result you know I I, I want them to realize that if, if they just keep on preparing as well as possible and focusing on what they control uh, the results will come and so you know using the University of Manitoba team you know constantly we kind of hear comments about I never feel any pressure and I love that I think you know we're doing something right when when we hear the players say uh, you know we never feel pressure we just uh, we just need to prepare and then we'll be okay and that's led to a lot of success so uh, that's kind of where I, I kind of look at it and and golf's very different in the sense that 
you're not talking to the athletes during a, a game or a competition a whole lot, right? And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, hockey, yeah, football, volleyball, it, take me to kind of a tournament. Like, what's the relationship okay. like during a competition? It must be a little different. Well, it's a great question because yeah. there is, there, there can be a lot of communicating, you know, with the coaches. And so, again, taking pride in, in what the, the Bison program's done for a lot is, you know, I, we're, we're kind of wanting the athletes to be independent. And we're wanting them, you know, feeling that they'll be more confident in themselves and, and uh, doing that. So we have, you know, we see coaches from other, they're telling everybody the score for each player. And, you know, we're, we've always looked at, we don't want them to talk about the score. We, we, you know, we'll hear about it after. They don't have to tell us about it right now. Our goal as coaches is to not be sure on how they're playing during the round. If they're at that even kill and they, we don't know how they're playing, that's a great thing versus the kid who gets super high when he's playing well or down in the dumps when he's playing bad. So uh, we're really trying to keep that uh, emotions level and even. And uh, so, you know, they always know that if they have a question, they can talk to us on the course about it. But um, the idea is we, we trust them. We believe in them and we trust them and and we're totally comfortable with whatever decisions they make. So that's kind of a strategy we've taken for a long time and, uh, and, and that's yeah. the way. It's interesting. Do you, so just going back, like during a tournament, or do, do you, is there a lot of talking? Like, how does that kind of work? After nine holes or that kind of thing? Or? So I'll follow the players. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll, you know, start off with the lead group and work back because they, they play with different players, but in succession. So I'll see, you know, each player at different times, maybe on average for three, four, five holes, depending on, on the course setup and everything. So there is lots of time to communicate. Um, but we try to keep it uh, very light, you know, and, and there is times that there is good questions that they'll ask on the course, but uh, I don't want to become too active. Yeah. Again, I, I like putting the faith in them and the trust in them and the independence in them, and, uh, you know, that's what we try to do. Jamie, I saw you nodding your head a little bit there during that answer. Did you want to comment on that? Because obviously different for volleyball when you're, you're calling timeouts. There's a lot of interaction during the game in the heat of the moment, right? Yeah, you know, I was just thinking as Garth was talking about how he – prefers if he can't tell if his athlete is winning or losing by their body language. Um, and I was nodding because I love the sound of that and I was reflecting, you know, do I expect that of my athletes? Does that work for volleyball as well? Because that sounds like a great, great advice. Um, and I think that is the same for volleyball, except that the baseline has to be kind of a high energy, excited level across the board in the whole game, you know. Um, you want to show a lot of confidence in whether it's with your body language or your voice just to kind of intimidate the other team a little bit or convince them that you're in control and that you've, you, you're, you're going to win. So I think it would look different with golf and volleyball, but I think the same lesson stands true that you want to keep a consistent mental game throughout the whole, the whole thing, regardless of the score. Yeah, a lot of times, you know, we've actually filmed different players walking and just, just in, in the middle of a round and, you know, we'll ask people who's the better player or who's playing better. Mm -hmm. And whether it's maybe a little swagger, whether it's walking with confidence or you see someone walking with their head down berating themselves, well, you can tell pretty quickly, you know, who's doing well and who's not. Yeah. So uh, it's just a good thing for them to reflect on and to be aware of. Yeah, I like that idea. I might pull out my video camera next practice and <laughs> see if I can tell. <laughs> Very good. Uh, just one more question for you, Jamie, then we'll take a quick break. Uh, just switching gears a little bit. So the, the, I want to ask you about that group you co-founded the, with the Indigenous communities. I think you still work out of our building a little bit, too. Just tell me how that got started and where it's at now. Sure. I could talk about this for hours, so I'll try to be a little <laughs> bit shorter-winded. Um, 
the group is called Aguchin Volleyball Club. Uh, Aguchin roughly translates as she's high in the sky or up high, whether it's kind of a star or a tree idea. It's a word that comes from Cree or, and OG Cree. Um, and essentially, uh, when I was the head coach of the North American Indigenous Games um, team in 2017, um, and we were at, at the, the games in Toronto, I was frustrated to see that there weren't any university scouts at the tournament. Um, I was coaching a 19 and under team, and I had some very talented athletes on my team, but there were also really talented athletes from across Canada, um, across North America there. And I was just shocked that it, it wasn't a, a better attended event from college or university scouts, because um, volleyball is one of those sports that you can get an education through, because it's played at the college and university level. Um, and I, I value education and I value it for my athletes and so I try to be a bridge for them in that sense. But um, anyway, so I came, came back from the Indigenous Games pretty frustrated that my Indigenous athletes weren't getting the same, um, same looks as my, let's say, mainstream athletes, if I can call it that. Um, so um, my good friend Tristan Dralik and I, we created a Guchin Volleyball Club, the intention of it being um, that we'll because we know the Indigenous athletes from around the province, um, we'll bring them to the mainstream competitions so that they can be seen by post-secondary um, scouts. And I guess, I mean, the intention was is greater than that as well. Like, it's a lot of cultural exchange between Indigenous sport and mainstream sport. Um, the intention is also to just give kind of a safe space for Indigenous athletes to thrive. They're, they're with people from similar backgrounds and similar context as them as they're training and trying to become better. Um, there are a lot of motivations for this club, but the main thing was just let's, let's try to see a, a higher proportion of Indigenous athletes at the post-secondary level. So it started as just an 18 and under club the first year, and now we're running a 14U and a 16U team as well um, and it's really just to develop athletes give indigenous kids something to do um, kind of give them a community and friends and a place to be in Winnipeg so that if they ever do want to pursue post-secondary education they already know people here and they're comfortable here um, yeah all sorts of motivations and I've really had a great time with it um, there are certain challenges that come with coaching athletes that are from all around the province but um, it's been a great experience and I hope hope that it can continue. Corona's thrown a little wrench in the in the wheel, but you know, it's um, my my hope is to continue it for as long as people are interested in the product. So, yeah. good stuff. Garth Goodbranson and Jamie Menzies are our guests on the Sport Manitoba podcast for National Coaches Week. We'll be right back with the second half of our discussion. To celebrate Manitoba's 150th birthday, Sport Manitoba proudly published iconic stories from 150 years of sport in Manitoba. Written by author Sean Grassi, the book showcases outstanding athletes, teams, and events that made a profound impact on our sport community, with all proceeds going to Kidsport Manitoba. Purchase your copy at kidsportcanada.ca slash manitoba. Millions of teeth are lost or traumatized annually during sporting activities. Custom mouthguards are recommended by the Manitoba Dental Association as the best way to protect the teeth and prevent injuries to the soft tissue of the mouth as well as the head, jaw and back. Visit your local dental office to learn more or get fitted for your custom mouthguard. Talk to your dentist. Good for you, good for life. 
The world of work is changing faster than ever, and companies are racing to adapt to the new normal. With the rise in remote workers across all sectors, there is a greater need for better collaboration tools, access to information, and improved security. At every turn, Konica Minolta is helping businesses reshape the workplace with artificial intelligence, cloud, and mobility solutions. To learn more about digital transformation and ways to future-proof your workplace, go to konicaminolta.ca business. So on the topic of National Coaches Week, I guess I just wanted to ask you guys, and it might be more low-key for you, but does this mean anything to you individually? Like, do you reflect a little bit, or do you receive a lot of praise from your players? What's it like for, for you, Jamie? Because it's a cross-Canada thing, right? That's a really good question. Um, and it's going to have a cliche answer, I think. <sighs> praise is nice. We're all human. Um, and so it's nice to have a day or a moment to have, you know get a thank you. Um, but I think most coaches would agree with me that we reap more benefits from coaching than me or, or equal benefits anyway, as the athletes do. Um, I mean, you asked me earlier what got me started in coaching um, a million different things, but what keeps me coaching is that my athletes are awesome. My life is better because of them. Um, I'm held accountable into a higher standard because of my athletes and really all the, I just see all the benefits as mine. So this coaches week, it's nice to, have some a little a few extra athletes thank me but um i feel the gratitude all the time and i feel the benefits all the time anyway so yeah garth yeah i'm i'm kind of the same way i've always felt the gratitude and appreciated it and uh, i think i kind of look at um i look at for the younger coaches and, and i i hope that uh you know if i had hopes about it is that the younger coaches are more appreciated and get more inspired um, so often, you know, younger coaches go through so much pressure at such a, you know, with maybe not the most experience. And uh, I, I would hope people would just sit back and say, boy, we're pretty lucky that this young person is, uh, is a great role model for, for our kid and does a great job and really cares about our kid. And I think that's what I'd like to see out of the National Coaching Week. Yeah, if you don't mind if I could add to that too. Um, maybe I don't need Coaches Week as much as some people, but I do really appreciate that you know, Sport Manitoba offers free coaching courses or it does outreach like that because not everybody has all the opportunities that I did have. So although I feel like I personally don't need it quite as much, I know that a lot of people out there do need a hand or do need to be reached out to or can't afford the coaching courses. or And it's a nice opportunity to also for our province to kind of self-reflect or our country to kind of self-reflect on what's the situation, what's the state of coaching in Canada, where can we do better where are we lacking, things like that. So personally, maybe not so much, but just on the grand scale, it's important. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a good segue too, to kind of uh, mentors. Because Garth, you mentioned kind of younger coaches, right? And wanting to support them. So have you worked with younger coaches in, in your sport and kind of what, what relationships do you try to build there in terms of mentorship? Well, you know, I'm, I was very, very fortunate. My dad was a high level hockey coach and he was a super uh, supporter of junior golf. And uh, I can remember as a kid watching him prepare for his practices, prepare for his turno tournaments or, or, uh, or uh, just games, whatever. And you know what? I just always admired him. Like he just was such a great guy. And I think, what was I ever lucky to have that kind of person as a role model for coaching? And I'm sure that's why I'm coaching today. So uh, I just try to reach out whenever I can to younger coaches and I, I just try to be a good role model for them. Um, 
you know, you, you try to, you know, do whatever you can to help out with passion. Um, I think one thing that I've really enjoyed is a lot of kids who I coached in hockey have become hockey coaches. And I really think that's neat, you know, and I like uh, seeing where the kids that I, I coach kids, you know, from five till 10, I guess. And where uh, I remember coaching some high school girls and just seeing where they went for, for with their sport and if they're still playing, you know. And I think to me, um, if you can be an inspiration in whether it's other coaches or getting people into coaches, uh, be a mentor. Uh, that's what I'd like to try to do with whatever I can. Jamie, mentorship, or do you work with, with some other coaches as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't have a limit on the number of assistant coaches I'll take on if people want to come assistant coach with me, and whether it's for their learning or just because that they enjoy it, um, I'm willing. So um, part of the Aguchin Club's um, mission is also to develop young female coaches and um or I should say female or anyone kind of on the gender spectrum coaches. And um, we also, our, our goal is also to develop Indigenous coaches as well. So we try, we have three teams right now. We'll probably have, you know, 15 coaches involved just to have, you know, the more people learning from each other and more perspectives in the space. Um, and with my Canadian Mennonite University coaching gig, we have four assistant coaches. One is an Indigenous mentee coach, and one is just a young female mentee coach. And um, I think that's really important. I don't. I didn't really feel like I had a lot of female coaches to look up to or learn from when I was in my early twenties or teenage years. Um, so I really want to make myself available to anyone who needs an ally or just wants to learn. And Garth mentioned his, his dad being a big influence. Yeah, and you mentioned you didn't have as many. I don't know how big of a sports person you are, but was there a coach growing up who you looked up to at all or modeled yourself after, whether it's, it was in volleyball or elsewhere or not, not so much? Go ahead, Jamie. <laughs> I just want to think before I answer this question because, you know, when you start naming people, that also then is actively not naming others. Um, so maybe I won't name anyone as much as having gone through multiple sports as an athlete first was a great experience to not only pick up things that I want to be like, but also to pick up ways that I don't want to coach. Um, but truly, uh, and this isn't just a shameless plug, the thing that really changed my coaching philosophy and path is when I um, took the Aboriginal coaching module. It's just a course that is offered by the Aboriginal coaching circle, like the NCCP. And it kind of just bottled up all the ideas I knew I needed but couldn't verbalize or put to words prior to taking that course. And it just really... Um, introduced this holistic model of coaching to me in a way that I hadn't thought of it before. So it was all of those elements I had seen before, but maybe not put into one tight, neat package. And so I, that, that course really did change my philosophy and has um, guided my coaching since. Garth, I imagine you got some names that come to mind. Well, you know, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, again, a little different time. Yeah. I grew up in the 70s yeah. and coaching was a lot different. And as Jamie was speaking there, I had a great time to reflect on my coaches. And, I, you know, I don't mean to be negative, but I really don't have great memories of uh, hockey, which would have been a sport I played lots. But if I do have a memory is I remember playing Little League Baseball, and I loved baseball. And a guy who coached us, he was just a few years older than us. His name was Jamie Thould. I still see him today. 
and he followed me my whole golf career, hockey career, followed me all the time. But you know what? All I remember about him, he made it fun. You know, he didn't get technical with me. He just, he created an environment that made it fun, that gave us intrinsic motivation. You know, that's what we kind of try to do with, uh, whether it's programming at Golf Manitoba or with the Bison program, is if we can create a program that's so fun, that gives motivation, that it's intrinsic motivation. It's not the glory motivation. It's not the what you get motivation. It's because you want it. And uh, wow, that's just a great flashback to remember Jamie from back then because it was just fun. Very well said, well said. Uh, I, I wanted to give you uh, a chance to talk a little bit about the Bison's program that you kind of built from the ground up because I know you've had a, a lot of success there. So just tell me a little, little bit about the, the philosophy that you've uh, championed there with uh, at the U of M. Well, Derek Ingram and I, we started the program 20 years ago. And uh, Derek Goodwin, uh, he's going to be taking over the golf program now that I, I'm uh, just going to stay on as an advisor. And, you know, Derek and I, we did a lot of coaching. We learned together because I remember early I mentioned, you know, golf was a teaching sport, not a coaching sport. So we had to, you know, take our teaching minds off and learn from a coaching standpoint. So we saw a lot of things. You know, there was young people who grew up wanting to go to the States to play, and then there was people who grew up and wanted to play in the Bisons. And so, you know, we had gone to different seminars, and we got some great information from people. But the one seminar that was so important to us was a fellow talking to us about getting good people and the importance of getting good people. And, and sometimes maybe uh, don't get caught up in results by people, but get caught up in the type of people they are. So, you know, we, we, uh, we had some success with the Bison program earlier on, and, uh, but then, you know, we focused on just getting good people. And we maybe didn't have the instant success, but you know what, we built a great culture. We built a culture that uh, whenever we went on the trips, players just had a great time. Never has there ever been a meal that we've gone to that the players haven't said thank you. Never has there ever been a tournament that we've gone to that on the way home they said thank you for taking us. And like just great people. People that you would be proud of to have as your own kid. And uh, you know we created that culture. We had some great people out there who were unbelievable role models to the younger people to show them this is how you act as a bison. And one of my proudest moments was, uh, as a coach was a group of kids who started uh, pretty much all together. They won the 2014 Canadian University Championship. And I just remembered, the, you know, it was at Southwood in Winnipeg here. And uh, going to the course, the final round, we had a couple shot lead. And I just remembered, like, if sure, I wanted to win. Hey, nobody wanted to win more than me. But you know what? I just remember the, how proud I was of that group and how proud I was of the program. And I just kind of remember saying, well, let's just see what happens. And sure enough, they had an unbelievable last round. We won by whatever, 12, 14 shots, whatever it was. But the fact is, you know, it, it just proves you, you can you can have lots of success with good people. And just going back to uh, athletes for a second, I mean, along those same lines for both of you, you say good people. Are, are there certain traits that make it easier to work with them? Like, do you want your athletes to have certain traits or advice for athletes in general so that they can have a good relationship with their coach? I remember talking to a fellow who was uh, one of our guest speakers at a seminar, and uh, he was a hockey guy. And he said, when your first line center treats the so-called weakest player on the team as an equal, now you have a team. 
And I just thought, isn't that a great comment? You know that when your leader is that good of a person, just treats another person like a, like like you should, right? You know, just because someone's a better player doesn't mean that they should get treated better. But unfortunately, I think in sports that happens a lot. And I just always remember when your top player treats, you know, your newer player, whatever, as an equal. Now you have a team, and you know, I go back to that Bison program, and I'm going, wow, how true is that? That's pretty neat to to think about. Yeah, um, I would have probably had an answer for that maybe a decade ago, but a lot of my more recent coaching of sport, but also just work that I do away from sport, I've had to do a lot of self-reflection about what we expect of athletes and what our prototype looks like, because depending on a person's background or culture or the way they grew up or where they grew up or if they're from this country, if they're not, if whatever, there's so much context that maybe that prototype doesn't always take into consideration. So. Um, I try not to have expectations in the sense of the type of people I'm bringing into my program, but I do really like um, Garth's answer that just um, mutual respect and people being open to each other and, and just being respectful of everybody on your team is, is always a great start. And this answer of fun, you know, if you're just out there to have fun and willing and wanting to have fun, that's also a great trait. I mean you get so much out of your athletes if they're if they if they know how to if they know how to play and if they can just kind of let loose and enjoy so um but i try not to have specific expectations as much as just a standard of respect i guess is a is a good answer from garth and then just to flip that around a little bit certain traits that you feel coaches need to have uh in terms of being successful or any advice for current or aspiring coaches Back to Garth, maybe. <laughs> okay. Uh, if I had uh, a comment that I could make to coaches, you know, we always hear, you know, whether it's parents in the stand saying, they're not coaching my kid, they're not coaching my kid. And they're not telling them what to do, they're not telling them what to do, tell them what to do. And, and so often, you know, just from a personal standpoint, I think a, a lot of coaches overreact. They're just quick to say something because they feel they have to say something. And I remember being told early in my coaching career, when you see a player that's struggling, don't necessarily go up to them right away, but self-reflect and say to yourself, what can I do to help them? What can I do to make them better? I don't necessarily have to jump in and tell them, you know, the whole world of sport to do something, but, you know, it, it could be anything. It could be creating maybe more fun. It could be, you know, just relaxing them. It could be, you know, showing some confidence in them. It could be a lot of different things. But so many people maybe overreact because they think they have to coach. Where, you know, I, I again, I, I like the, the building confidence. And how do you build, build confidence in people is you, you have trust in them. You know, you care about them. You trust in them. And so sometimes when you self-reflect, you know, first before you act, I think you're going to get a, a better result. Want to add to that? Sure, yeah. I have a few things that come to mind. First of all, I really appreciate when coaches prioritize building relationships and sport aside, invest in the people they're working with. I think you get, not only do you get great results that lead to wins and things that way, but it's just more worthwhile for everyone involved. Um, so building relationships. Um, another thing is to be the example, be the person you want your athletes to be. I mean, you can't expect a person to live a healthy lifestyle if you're not. You can't expect a person to be respectful if you're not. You can't expect a person to be kind to each other if you're not also. So just, I mean, we're all flawed, but we can try our best to be the example you want your athletes to emulate. And along those lines, um, 
our communities, our society really values sport. And so as coaches, we have this enormous platform that we can use. And I guess my recommendation for coaches is just to kind of take a moment. I won't say use it in any particular way, but just take a moment and reflect, like, how am I using my platform? I have it. Am I using it? Could I use it better? Like, what am, what am I doing with it? People are watching me. Athletes are watching me. Parents are watching me. You're, you're in a limelight whether you want it or not. So just to take a moment to think about, hmm, how am I using that platform? And can I do a better job with it? Okay, I'm going to put you both of you on the spot here a little bit. I usually do this when I have two guests, but based on what each of you have said, Garth, do you have a question for Jamie about kind of her volleyball coaching? And, and Jamie, I'm not sure if you golf or if you're, you know, if you uh, know a lot about it, but just based on what Garth has said today, any, a question for him. So you guys can think about this uh, if you need to. That's a good question. <laughs> well, first of all, I'm dying to get a golf lesson from Garth. <laughs> I, uh, I was on my high school golf team. Um, but because of volleyball and a million other things, I took a long hiatus. And just last year when I realized my body's starting to disintegrate and I can't jump as high anymore, I picked up golf again. I'm really wanting to get into tournaments and start getting a lot better by my late 30s because I know that golf is a lifelong sport and that's one of the greatest things about it. So my question for Garth is when do I get my free lesson? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we could get that done before the year ends for sure. There's still lots of good weather to come. Uh, you know, so Jamie, what I would, you know, like what I would like to find out, what has been the highlight of your career? What is the, something that you just felt, uh, what's the most proud thing that, you, that you've gone through in your career? Wow. Um, the highlight of my coaching career was the first North American Indigenous Games that I attended, which was 2014. I had coached, played at Canada Games and coached at Canada Games and coached high-level and amateur teams, but this event, the Indigenous Games, combined everything that I, that's important to me. It combined culture and relationship building, it combined sport, competitive sport, amateur, for fun. It just combined all the things about sport that I love. Um, my family's Métis, and I've had, I've had a hard time bringing that side of my life into a sport context my whole life being a competitive athlete it just kind of felt like the part of me that was left behind and I didn't get to bring to sport which is important to me so indigenous games was just so great to combine who I am my identity with the thing I love so that was the greatest sporting event I've I've experienced that's great thanks I expected a good answer and I got one too (laughs) Garth you must have looked at my sheet before this because that was my last question (laughs) on here for both of you so (laughs) Jamie's answered it already and I'll ask you to maybe I'll word it a little differently but uh, you know can you point to a moment or an event that was extremely rewarding for you and and just maybe a proud moment from from all your years as a coach well you know I've just been so lucky I, I can't believe it because you know, I, the university team, you know, there's just been so many things with the Bisons. It's been fantastic. Uh, I also look at the Manitoba Games, the Western Canada Games, and the Canada Games. I think after every game's experience, I come back and I go, that was the best one yet. And then I go another one, I go, that was the best one yet. And then I'll talk about the first time going in 2009 to the Canada Games. I go, no, that was the best. Like, they've all been unbelievable. Like, I, I think I've been, you know, as a coach, you know, I just owe everything to sport. Like I, I've had unbelievable memories, um, unbelievable friendships, relationships. You know, I, I, uh, I've been very, very lucky. I want to thank both of you for coming on, and, and all the best with with coaching uh, in the future. Well, thanks, thanks for so having much. us. That was great. Thanks again to Garth Goodbranson and Jamie Menzies for sharing their experience as coaches and for all that advice that coaches and athletes can take moving forward. 
If you like this episode of the Sport Manitoba podcast, you can subscribe to our podcast. All 22 episodes are available anywhere you get your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to thank your coach on social media. Use the hashtag thanksCoach and tag at Sport Manitoba on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're also offering free coaching certification courses through our website for all Manitoba coaches until September 27th. Check them out at sportmanitoba.ca coaching. Lastly, if you know of somebody who you think would make for a good guest on our podcast, whether it's an athlete coach or somebody else involved in sport, you can email me at podcast at sportmanitoba.ca. Look for our next episode in October. Until then, I'm Nolan Cole. Thanks for listening to the Sport Manitoba podcast.